0: Is there another kind? You see, the useful idiots that the Soviet Union, that Lenin put into America, are now the useful idiots from the Chinese. US President Joe Biden, who has had another week of gaffes, confused moments. Uh, uh...
1: They're coming down in America like Pac-Man, eating us up, alive. Uh,
0: uh. They're acting more as propagandists. Also, the science has changed.
1: You know the Pac-Man
2: game? Think of a Pac-Man game out of control. Sucking away at the foundation of America. If Russia pursues its aggression, it will face the massive consequences that...
0: Because if they don't want you to believe something and they can cast doubt... We have no intention of fighting Russia. Sometimes confusion can actually be the goal, the goal, the goal.
1: And as we've said all along...
0: Confusion can actually be the goal.
1: And usually it is. Welcome to another edition of Speaking Out America with Jim Watkins. Always here for you on CRNtalk.com, 9 to 10 a.m. Monday through Friday. That's specific time, and then we have a double play at 5 p.m. Pacific, also on CRNtalk.com, Channel 1. And of course, the podcast is out there on all the major pod- podcast platforms. Just Google Speaking Out America podcast, and you'll find us. Uh, we have a busy, busy program for you this hour. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of the things over the weekend that came across my desk. Uh, interesting things, including the... Uh,
2: what did I write here?
1: Here we go. Manufactured embryos. Now, there's a there's a leader. Spinning Barbie, ABC, and a uh, unscrupulous attempt to smear the truth. And then also, with all the heat going on in the, in the country... I ran across a great article over the weekend, eight things that prove that carbon has little effect on climate warming or climate change, which is exactly opposite of what most of what you heard over the weekend because it's so hot everywhere. I mean, even in Montana, I checked at 99 degrees in Montana, Hardin, Billings area, they're they're under a, a heat dome, no question. So we'll get to all that. Uh, plus Maria Bartiromo had some interesting interchange with uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. So we'll get to that. Uh, just so much on the plate. But uh, at the top of the list, I have to say that just because it's I'm naturally curious, but why is Elon Musk changing the logo? It's a cultural thing, the logo and the look of Twitter. Interesting, isn't it? Uh, and that could happen Monday. That's right. Yep. Uh, and they want to change it to X, which is so strange. So from his publicity, social media director Linda Yacarino on Twitter, <laughs> X, which it's going to be almost impossible on X, on X versus on Twitter. We're also ingrained with saying on Twitter, they're going to get rid of the blue birdie, the, the tweeting bird, which is iconic. I mean, every business on the planet has a, has a Twitter account. So every business now will have to change their own internal logos on all their websites and all their uh, whatever PR work, all their imaging. And what is the significance of the, the white X on the black background? So, you know, following the Twitter treat, tweets, uh, lights, camera, X. You don't think this is a tribute to Xi Jinping, do you? Maybe a little side favor? Uh, anyway, according to the tweets, yeah, this is from Reuters, uh, Elon Musk and Twitter chief executive officer Linda Yaccarino unveiled a logo for the social media platform Monday that featured a white X on a black background as a replacement for the familiar bluebird symbol. Tweeted Yaccarino, X is here, let's do this. Who also posted a picture of the X projected onto the company's offices in San Francisco. Yeah, I'm looking at the Twitter feed right now. Or should I say the X feed? I'm just trying to get used to, you know, the the new vernacular. It, you know, it's a foreign movement of my tongue interchanging with the roof of my mouth. Twitter just sort of came off the lips, you know, a little bit of a T and not not complicated, but X stops. Twitter flows. X stops. Isn't that interesting? But I mean, do you think it's going to affect... People using it, images, everything. We've become comfortable being in the branding and marketing business. It takes a long time to build uh, an image, uh, an iconic image in your mind. I mean, that that's half the battle. If you're in any kind of marketing, half the battle is developing a memory receptor for uh, some kind of identity, whether it's a name, whether it's a product, whether it's a symbol. Whether it's a color scheme, think about Target. You know what Target does now? Every year they cha- they they change the logo uh, outside of the store so that it's exactly opposite. So instead of red on white, it'll be white on red, and they do that to reinforce the image so that it, your brain doesn't get used to looking at it, because you can become accustomed to seeing an image, and it just it, it's without any forethought. So to re-embrace or remarket the image, sometimes you have to invert it. So there could be a white X right now, and then two years from now, you could have it a black X or, you know, but I think it might affect Elon's ability to make, and, and of course we all ask why, why is he doing this? He says his dream is to have X in every one of his businesses, but I think it goes deeper than that. Uh, it doesn't say much in the article from Reuters, and everybody else is speculating, but, you know, it, it, does it have a huge impact on our lives? Does anybody care outside of the Western culture? Probably not. Will, will we get used to it? Probably. So uh, just interesting, I think, just from a social level, because Twitter just became such a thing. And it continues. Threads is out. Mark Zuckerberg's attempt to try to take over Threads. I mean, Twitter, he should have waited two weeks. Mark Zuckerberg should have waited until X came out. Well, I guess it's still there, but threads dropped 70% of its initial usage because people figured out, hey, wait a minute, this is nothing more than an echo chamber. We're all agreeing with one another. That's not, that's not enjoyable. Uh, So that's like talking to yourself, (laughs) which, which is what we all do on Twitter and threads. I didn't sign up for threads. I could see the threads unraveling. Um, Over the weekend, you heard this if you were watching ABC News, which I, I couldn't help but laugh, but listen to this. This is the header from ABC News, and uh, is it Linda? I, I can't remember. Anyway, here's how, now remember, ABC News is owned by Disney, which just put out the movie Barbie, so listen to this.
0: Former Vice President Mike Pence appears to defend Trump's actions on January 6th. And the Hollywood blockbusters, Barbenheimer, makes history as the competing films reignite the summer box office.
1: Yeah, right. In totally ignoring Sound of Freedom, which broke $100 that was the box office success. In addition to, you know, Mission Impossible and Tom Cruise, which everybody expected. But nobody expected Sound of Freedom to become such a phenom, and it is, and it has. Now, the reason it has is because it speaks to people's hearts and compassion. It's a simple story, something that's something too common in today's world, uh, and people want to be aware of what's going on. They're realizing, hey, wait a minute, something's wrong here. Why, If they had ended the movie saying that China was the number one place for human trafficking, which it probably is, or vietnam or or germany or england you know we might not have even given it a second thought but when it said when it implicated us that we are the the source of the human smuggling problem because we are the ones that are making money on it then that's when everybody sort of sat up and said wait a minute that means me that means my community that means my circle who in my circle is involved with this this has to stop You know, last week we had Michael Lee Mason on the program and we were talking about that very serious issue. How do we, how do we fight this? And he came up with a good idea, which I am glad to promote because it's such a smart idea is to set up a filtering on your Wi-Fi so that you can keep all that bad stuff out so that it doesn't get to your kids on their smartphones or their tablets. That's a smart solution. Stop pornography from getting into the home. Now it doesn't mean that your kids aren't going to get exposed to it in some other way maybe some kid will turn it on to them but the point is we got to try and that's what this is about is that people sat up and said we got to do something we got to be our, we got to tell our own story and uh, and we have to talk to our you know fellow men and women and talk to them about how, how this is, does not make america look good anyway so i thought it was interesting that sound of freedom which was the big underdog story of the year which really kicked off the summer, and you know the story, is that Disney shelved this program. They had it all ready. It was ready to go five years ago. But they didn't think that Hollywood or the the masses would like it. Uh, So Angel Productions finally bought the show and repackaged it, put it out there, and guess what? It became a phenom. But it never got any press from ABC. In fact, the only time you heard any kind of media was negative media saying it was trying to tie some QAnon conspiracies to it, and which I explained to my wife when I took my daughter to go see it. I said, it had none of that. There was, And as far as religious overtones, there were only two or th- three statements made in the three-hour movie that even made any reference to God. Is there a problem with that? So it, it, it was interesting to me that Barbie, which basically lost money on its first opening weekend is heralded as the new summer box office hit. And, and the other thing too, is they're trying to show you that woke movies, movies that have virtue signaling and all kinds of uh, uh, pride themes, they're cool. See, that's, that's the whole thing. They're trying to spin something. They're cool. Uh, and then totally disregarding another movie that has so much social importance. It's almost embarrassing, really, for Disney that they have to use their own network to promote a fabrication, a lie, that somehow Barbie is the summer blockbuster, you know, it's just, it's beyond it's beyond reproach, really. Hey, coming up, we're going to be talking to Cam Edwards about some sneaky things they're doing in California having to do with gun law. So hang on uh, to your hats and we'll be right back. listening to speaking out america i am jim watkins and i can be reached at my comment line 941-800-2937
0: and the hollywood blockbusters barbenheimer makes history as the competing films reignite the summer box office
1: Welcome back to Speaking Out America. You know, this show is about socialistic issues as much as it's about anything. I mean, we've said from the very beginning that this program is about those specific things in life that surround you that have a definite impact on you for good or bad. And uh, the only way to attack it head on is to talk about it. And uh, that's why we do it. Speaking Out. That's what we're doing. We're speaking out on those things that have a deep and a vital impact on our everyday life, whether it's our children, whether it's us, whether it's our whoever it is, uh, things that we depend on, institutions that we are supposed to have trust in. So it's always interesting to watch the profit uh, situation moving here uh, with Big Pharma. I mean, look, half the world thinks that, you know, we can thank Big Pharma because they figured out a way to make people live 10, 15 years longer that's all good. They cure cancer. They save lives. The, the people that get into the medical industry are some of the best. I, my aunt was, an, was a my uh, aunt was a nurse. My wife's aunt was a nurse. My great grandfather on my wife's side was a doctor, a very well-loved man. But something's changed in the, in the system. Something has changed with the approach that they take to medicine. I've talked to people who go to medical school and they say it's it's not about curing it's about it's about maintenance with this trans movement we recognize now and the reason we recognize it is because a lot of the other countries around the world's so called western democracies like Sweden and even the United Kingdom they're not doing trans surgeries anymore for minors because they know now that it's premature you don't know what these kids are going to come up with when they're seven, eight years old. They just want to fit in. And if they see a trend, they jump in. Remember uh, Teen Mom? Remember that whole period during the 2005 to 2015? Young girls were getting pregnant. It was like this new fascination. And unfortunately, there were a lot of young girls who got pregnant and they don't have the, the, the proper family settings. Uh, our, our young daughter got pregnant. and uh, But we dealt with it in a family way. And thank God, because now we have a beautiful granddaughter and we all love her. And that's the way it goes. That's the way it should be in a family situation. But not everybody's so lucky. My point is, is that right now we're in a position which after COVID and, and after we saw how the pharmaceutical basically just closing their eyes and throwing darts to see what would stick. And now there's a new campaign from Jordan Boyd, the Federalist, on Saturday Headline reads, Scientists to Sideline Women with Eggs Made from Male Cells. And it writes, The campaign to erase women has officially escalated to leaving them out of the sacred act of reproduction. For years, researchers, celebrities, and OBGYNs have touted making babies outside of the bedroom as a novelty attraction available for anyone willing to pay. Millions of test tube babies and a million more frozen embryos later, the global fertility industry has found a new way to create life without a key natural component, women. The Economist ran a series of articles in Technology Quarterly this month advocating for the expansion of assisted reproductive technology to in vitro what they call gametogenesis, IVG, an experimental procedure that involves reprogramming adult male stem cells to become usable eggs. At least one of the stories acknowledges that outsourcing reproduction through existing technology, like in vitro fertilization, is failing most women. Already, countries, states, and healthcare facilities are grappling with how to handle ethical, moral, and the legal crises that are associated with commercial surrogates with cancer and gay men who want taxpayers to fund the creation of motherless children. They're even changing terminology. Uh, one publication recently Describe breastfeeding as chest feeding in order to incorporate men who have undergone transgender and want to breastfeed their kids. Uh, You know, not unlike Pete Buttigieg's husband, which we saw pictures, remember? So this is being promoted in our culture. And now they've got this new IVG technology in vitro gametogenesis, which means they can take adult male stem cells and make those the embryos. No more women. You can just grow them in factories. But Dr. Katsushiko Hayashi, a Japanese researcher who, after decades of stem cell research, recently used stem cells converted from the skin on male mice tails, paired with artificial ovaries to grow oocytes, ready for fertilization by another male mouse. The products of the two male mice were then placed for gestation in surrogate female mice. Of the 630 embryos manufactured with manipulated stem cell eggs and obtained sperm, more than half a dozen baby mice were born and appeared to mature without any side effects. Uh, That's just downright creepy, isn't it? Well, that's where we're at. That's where we're at in this world. The article goes on. Conception's website states, its interest in the technology rests in the idea that it would give women the opportunity to have children well into their 40s and 50s, that's that's one of the pluses, I suppose, and eliminates barriers for cup, couples suffering from infertility. Other beneficiaries, the economist says, would be women with low ovarian reserves and transgender women. Eventually, Krystalov's company hopes to use the technology to empower the type of genetic testing that lets parents replace the inherent value of life with a numeric placeholder. This could become one of the most important technologies ever created, according to Conception. That's the name of the company that is backing this. Uh, Women face commodification from the fertility industry through ever-popular egg donation and rental womb contracts. Is that the future? Women that are rented uh, to bring babies that were created in the lab to gestation. Uh, creating a, uh, this is the, just the footnote, creating and raising a child between two women or two men, studies show deliberately puts the children being brought into these scenarios at a lifelong disadvantage. This is sto- shown in study after study, but they won't teach that in our schools. Kids who are born and raised by their, or raised by their married biological mother and father are more likely to leave lead healthier, safer, and better educated lives well above the poverty line. Again, study after study, women aren't just necessary for raising healthy children. They are necessary for creating those children. No matter how hard scientists try to distance themselves from the sacred act of reproduction, humans cannot permanently bypass biology without suffering more moral, ethical, and physical consequences. Here's how California Conception's Donor Embryo Program describes it as cost-effective. By allowing multiple patients to share the same egg donor and sperm donor, the treatment costs are greatly reduced compared to the cost of using an and egg donor. They even misspelled it. <laughs> you know, under these uh, trendy new ways of having children and producing embryos and cloning stem cells, it basically completely changes any traditional idea of what it means to be a family, genetically, uh, ethnically. I mean, we're all just sharing our embryos and stem cells. And I think instinctively, on a gut level, we all know it's it's a dark path indeed. And we'll be right back with Cam Edwards. He'll be joining us just a moment to talk about some new California legislation that will affect gun owners in that state. Stay tuned to Speaking Out, America. I'm Jim Watkins. And welcome back to Speaking Out America. I'm your host, Jim Watkins, and I'm glad to have uh, back with us on this edition is Cam Edwards. Cam is a great writer. He stays on top of some of the more pertinent issues, including the one that we're going to talk about now. He is a representative for the uh, Citizens Committee for the uh, right to keep and bear arms. And he explains why there's a new tax law being imposed, uh, could be imposed on Californians at a time when they most desperately do not need new impositions. It's a bill called uh, AB-28, and it is currently making its way through the California government offices, which would unjustly impose an extra punitive tax on ammunition, firearms, and additional firearm parts. And here to talk about that, Cam Edwards, thanks for joining us on Speaking Out America. How are you?
2: I'm good. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. You know, I I can't help but to notice, but crime is rising. California, one of the leaders in uh, criminal behavior these days— how does this help Californians with a bill that's well, punitive? Tell us about that. It
2: doesn't help Californians, unfortunately. Uh, it makes it more expensive for them to exercise the right to keep and bear arms. Uh, as you mentioned, this bill is called AB 28. Uh, it is it is officially known as the Gun Violence Prevention Healing and Recovery Act. Uh, but in essence, it's taxing legal gun owners and diverting that money to things like the California Violence Intervention and Prevention Grant Program, uh, which is supposed to award grants for the purpose of violence intervention and prevention. Now, you know, listen, I honestly don't have a problem with uh, a lot of the violence intervention programs that are out there, but I don't understand why legal gun owners should be singled out to help fund these programs. We're talking about public safety, right? This is something that uh, it supposedly benefits the entire community. So why why is this not a tax or a fee that is being applied to every California resident, not just those who are trying to exercise their fundamental right to keep and bear arms?
1: Give me an example of what kind of punitive tax we're talking about. Have, they, have you gotten into the details and nitty-gritty about this?
2: Yeah, it's basically an 11% excise tax wow. on the sale of all firearms, ammunition, and firearm parts. Um, So, you know, we already have a federal excise tax of 11 percent on firearms and ammunition. That money goes to wildlife restoration. Uh, That's been around since the 1930s. And honestly, you know, we've seen moves in Congress to to try to repeal that tax. Uh, Andrew Clyde, representative uh, from Georgia, introduced a bill that would end that tax and replace it with, in essence, uh, oil and gas lease money. Right. That would make up the difference. And again, the argument is we shouldn't be taxed for exercising a constitutional right anyway. Now, that bill didn't go anywhere in Congress, but here you have California trying to, in essence, double the taxes that gun owners are going to face every time they purchase ammunition, every time they purchase a firearm. And California's law is so screwy, it is illegal for a California resident to purchase ammunition out of state and then bring it back into California. So if you live you know, on the Nevada border, it's against the law you to drive to reno or lake tahoe go to a gun store pick up a box of nine millimeter and then bring it back home even if it's cheaper um, so this is going to have a, a chilling effect on legal gun owners if it becomes law
1: it kind of reminds me when obama try, or maybe he was successful when he was president and he passed a, 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 a bullet tax or he restricted the amount of bullets uh, all under the guise of gun safety and i mean it's just ridiculous with they're fair this doesn't seem like it would hold up Uh, in a a court of law, this could make it all the way to the Supreme Court because they're imposing a specific tax on a specific group of people. And you're saying they're doing it under the guise of taking that money and putting into programs that would reduce gun violence, which, uh, how how would they do that with these? It doesn't make any sense. Do you think it would hold up in court?
2: I think it's an open question, honestly. Um, And, you know, we've actually got another case out of California that's brewing, I think, maybe a little bit uh, ahead of AB 28. There's a local ordinance that was passed in San Jose, California, a couple of years ago, that uh, actually two ordinances, one requires every legal gun owner to have liability insurance. Um, That's being challenged. There's also another measure in San Jose that every legal gun owner has to pay an annual fee simply for owning a firearm. Really? Uh, and again, that money is collected by the city, but it is supposed to go to a third party that is then going to distribute that money to uh, you know, nonprofits, uh, violence intervention programs and things of that measure. Now, San Jose has not yet figured out how to implement this, but as soon as they do, that's going to be challenged in court as well. Um, and I think that that provision, it may be a little riper than AB 28. So by the time AB 28, if it's signed in the law, If it's challenged in court, by the time it gets up to the Supreme Court, we may already have a ruling saying, no, you cannot single out gun owners uh, and and impose a tax on the exercise of a constitutional right. I certainly hope that's what the courts are going to say.
1: I'm thinking it would be like if you targeted truckers, people who own trucks, with an extra gas tax, since trucks usually use more uh, gas and create more pressure on the highways. It's just an unfair tax. It's basically targeting one group of people that maybe you don't like politically and saying— uh, you know, we're going to in, impose financial harm on you. Uh, and also, you know, again, going back to my original point, it's getting more dangerous to live in California, not less. And I would think that gun sales are probably up in California. Are they not? Just like well, everywhere else yeah, in the I think
2: they're uh, they're pretty steady right now. Um, you know, we've certainly seen nationwide a, a decline from where we were a couple of years ago at the height of what I called the great gun run of 2020. where we had like 3.2 million firearms being sold a month. We've had over 47 months now of at least 1 million gun sales each month across the country. In California, despite all those gun laws, is one of the biggest markets out there simply because of its population. Um, But we're also seeing a lot of games being played at the local level, you know, with the Bruin decision handed down last year and the Supreme Court saying these may issue carry laws are, are no good. You've seen a number of jurisdictions in California uh, say okay, fine. We'll 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 uh, issue concealed carry licenses to you know all those that uh, that apply. But uh, it's going to cost you a thousand dollars or more to get your concealed carry license. We're going to yeah. charge you hundreds of dollars in fees. We're going to make you take a psychological test. We're going to throw up all of these bureaucratic barriers between you and your rights. So you know we had a good decision last year in Bruin, and I hope that we're going to have more to come. But right now, what we're seeing here is the defiance of the Supreme Court by a lot of these blue states who, uh, it's not that they don't care what the court says, they're they're rejecting what the court has said, uh, and they are continuing to make life difficult for for would-be lawful gun owners. You know, I wrote a story of bearing arms today that the New York Police Department is issuing fewer permit licenses or or fewer permits than they did before the Bruin decision was handed down. So they're actually making it harder uh, for folks to exercise their segment rights after the Supreme Court specifically told them, you can't do that.
1: You know, it's also interesting too, and we're talking with Cam Edwards, I'm going to give you a number in just a moment so that you can actually participate and help support what he's doing. And I'll give you the website as well. But I just read last week that Los Angeles, which is the second largest city in the country uh, and the largest city in California, they're about to initiate a no bail, no cash bail policy, which basically makes it easier for criminals after committing a crime to get right back out on the streets within 24 hours. How does this play up against, at the same time, the, the the leaders in California are trying to make it more difficult for people to protect themselves against these criminals? Isn't it crazy?
2: It is. I mean, it's, it's completely topsy-turvy. And, you know, we're, we're seeing the results of this stuff in places like Washington, D.C., where the city council uh, just sort of reversed course, and they passed a, a tough-on-crime bill after years and years of insisting that, uh, you know, the way to, to public safety was to de police was to, uh, you know, move away from mass incarceration, quote-unquote. And again, they've been over backwards to ensure that people who were accused of violent crimes were able to get out uh, with no bond, even if they were arrested again. You know, there's a catch-and-release system. Um, And you're seeing this in California as well. You're also seeing a rise in juvenile crime. And that is a major concern because you've got kids as young as 11 years old uh, who are, you know, committing armed robberies. They're getting arrested. They're returned to their parents, uh, and then they're picked up again. And again, the juvenile justice system is functioning about as poorly as the adult criminal justice system in places like Los Angeles and Washington, D.C. Especially
1: the, after you know, post the, yeah.
2: the, the answer for the yeah. left is, well, let's make it harder for people to, to protect themselves, not let's actually go after the you know relatively few number of violent offenders out there who are causing such mayhem and misery for everybody else.
1: Well, Cam, uh, the number I want to give out to people so that they can be, get involved with what you're doing, awareness is the first step, 800-699-0992. Again, 800-699-0992. And the website is uh, www.ccrkba.org, CCR kba.org cam edwards good catching up to you we'll keep our eye on this and yet another good reason why gavin newsom should never be the president we'll talk to you again next time we'll talk to you again soon Back to Speaking Out America. Don't forget, we have a comment line if you want to comment on the program. The number is 941-800-2937. 941-800-2937. I'm your host, Jim Watkins. We're working on our website to make things better and our podcast uh, site as well, but it's pretty easy to find. You can find this podcast pretty much throughout uh, any podcast player, Amazon, uh, iTunes, Google, iHeart, Odyssey. Just Google Speaking Out America podcast. Speaking Out America podcast. And you'll find it and you can follow it or you can just tune in Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. or 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. and 5 to 6 p.m. Pacific for Speaking Out America on crntalk.com. New poll out says uh, Gallup says that Americans believing in God dropped by 10% since 2001. Uh, belief in angels also down 10%, belief in heaven and hell. Uh, More people still believe in heaven than hell, but that's by fractions of degrees. What it basically says is that belief in the afterlife is slightly down. And can you blame people? It was really down during COVID. And that makes sense because people were looking out their windows, wondering if God was going to save them. And uh, how do we deal with this new form of, tyranny. That's what I was thinking. How do we get out of this one? And it's no wonder. Uh, Listen to, you remember during COVID, there was a lot of censoring going on. People couldn't talk openly about anything. They couldn't question the virus. They couldn't question the masks. And all of this, most of it was under the Joe Biden administration. And for good reason, because he was sending his minions out to censor. And then it became political censorship with the Hunter Biden Laptop. So listen to this little interchange between Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and Maria Bartiromo from Sunday Morning Futures, where they talk about censorship. And he knows because he is still being censored. He's running for president, and many of the social media websites won't allow interviews of Robert. This is Robert Kennedy Jr., the son of Robert Kennedy, who was assassinated in 1968 by Sirhan Sirhan former attorney general of these United States. And this is his son who's fighting the good fight and he is saying, I'm being censored. Listen to this.
0: That this is uh, the beginning of totalitarianism. I wanna know what you can do about it. You've thought about this. So, I mean, they've censored, you know, COVID information, Russia collusion information, you know, uh, the Trump administration dealt with it every day. Uh, The media and the way government works with Twitter. Uh, to, to try to suppress uh, truth and amplify lies. What is your plan to change it? I mean, what you know, the, the alarming thing that's come out in Judge Doty's decision. This is a uh, federal district judge just issued a 155-page decision forbidding the, the White House from having any contact with social media companies because it abused those that, it abused those contacts so badly over the past three years. What we now know is that the the White House had deployed an army of federal agencies, including the CIA, the FBI, the uh, the DHS, Department of Homeland Security, the IRS, and many others, to threaten Facebook, Google, and uh, and Twitter with withdrawing their Section 230 immunity, which is an existential threat. Those companies cannot exist without that immunity. And they were told that if they did not censor the president's opponents, critics of these policies, that they would lose that immunity. Unbelievable.
1: And that's the key, because it's anybody who's against them. If you're against whatever policies they put out, now they uh, want to get rid of gas stoves, they want to get rid of electric, uh, you know, gas-powered generators, which is ridiculously stupid. Think about this. I mean, I went through Ian last year. We had a hurricane that took out power in southwest Florida for two to three weeks for some people. The only way that you could keep your food uh, refrigerated or do a load of laundry or, you know, make sure your medicine, if you had medicine that needs to be at a certain temperature, uh, you know, even being able to cook, you need gas uh, for these generators to run. And thankfully, one of the first things that our governor did was he made sure that trucks full of fuel were headed to gas stations. And man, I sat in a few lines waiting several hours for a couple of gallons of gasoline. If I didn't have a gas-powered generator, I would have had no electricity. And now the, the the Biden administration, Jen Granholm over at the energy department, she must just have a list. And she wants to get rid of something that would have kept me going, that kept our family going. What good are electric generators if you don't have any electricity? And all this is going to do is put more of a strain. I'll give you a good fat, fact thing. And, and by the way, all of this is under the, the guise of what we're talking about here, which is the government is clamping down on dissent. They don't want you to disagree with their policies. But give you a good example, the government is right now all in on solar windmills as a way of, of, of generating our homes. Solar windmills. But here are the facts. A 2-megawatt windmill is made up of 260 tons of steel that require 300 tons of iron ore and 170 tons of cooking coking oil coal, all mine, transported and produced by hydrocarbons. A windmill could spin until it falls apart and never generate as much energy as, as was invested in building it. That's from an expert a guy by the name of Thomas Homer Dixon, uh, from an organization called Carbon Shift. It never makes back it, its money. It is known to kill wildlife, particularly whales. It disorients their sonar ability, because you've got these humming things that are spinning off the coast, and I've seen them, and they're useless. You'll never make your money back, and all they're going to do is make, you know, there's a, there's a, was a story came out today uh, in our local news about how these people were having to decide between electricity or food, but the government is creating this dilemma. The government is creating this problem by turning the spigot off of cheap, abundant energy. But if you disagree with that, then you are a climate denier. And that's where we're headed. And all of the social media, I mean, it doesn't just stop at, you know, questioning vaccines or questioning anything, uh, questioning school education, whatever it is. If the government doesn't want you to say it, they'll go after you and they'll go after social media, which they've done. Think about this. The federal government, took it upon itself to threaten Facebook, Google, all these high-tech companies that reach hundreds of millions of people a day and said, we would suggest that you didn't carry that story, or we would suggest that you put a false flag or false fact barrier. Have you seen those? You're scrolling through Instagram and then it'll be, you shouldn't see this. This is false, but it still gives you the option of seeing it. And then you see it and it says something like the video in this is questionable or something. But it still looks fairly legit. And and the point is that I think Robert F. Kennedy is making is he wants to end that. He doesn't want the government to be in a position where it says what is true and what isn't. Or to parlay their influence on media companies, which is what they've done. So they've got the television media under their wing because they're all playing for keeps and positioning and jockeying for position. And then you've got them and their tendrils trying to reach out and smash up uh, information. Now, what's going to happen the next time there's a COVID outbreak or some sort of other, you know, we're not supposed to publicly say that we don't support the Ukraine war. It's starting to look a lot more like 1984 and a lot less like Brave New World, at least to me. That's the way I look at it. And of course, one of the things that you cannot talk about, you're not allowed to talk about publicly and probably get throttled on social media is this idea of man-made climate change. Great article that was on, uh, what was it? Gateway Pundit over the weekend, guest contributor, uh, Lynn Balzer, seven reasons not to believe in the current climate crisis that's being caused supposedly by man. Number one, This current global warming crisis was once a global cooling crisis, for those of us who remember, in the 1960s. And it was actually worse and hotter in the 1930s. As a matter of fact, during the Dust Bowl in the mid-1930s, it drove millions out of places like Oklahoma because, well, because the Earth was hot. But the Earth began to cool after that. The percentage of CO2 was also rising at the same time as the Earth was cooling, so, carbon dioxide and overpopulation were blamed for global cooling back in the 60s. Number two, it is impossible to disprove the global warming hypothesis. The following have been blamed on climate change uh, heat waves, but cold spells, droughts, but floods, less snow, but also more snow, more mental illness and suicide, more alcoholism, more crime, more bugs, rats, all of this being blamed on climate change, and none of it provable. Three, climate gate. thousands of emails between prominent Americans and British scientists pushing the, uh, the hypothesis were leaked. One email read, I've just completed Mike Nature's trick of adding in the real temperatures to each of the series, and it was basically a way of adjusting, or what they used to say, cooking the numbers. Four, trillions of dollars have been spent on grants for alarming scientists. They're actually paying for people to write stories to stoke climate change fears. This is why you're seeing so much of it on television. You can't even watch the Weather Channel anymore. Number five, actually, most scientists don't even believe in the science of man-made climate change. Uh, prominent scientist Hal Lewis called it the greatest and most successful fraud he's ever seen as a physicist. In 2007, Global Warming Petition Project 31,8487 scientists declared there is no convincing scientific evidence that human release of carbon dioxide, methane, or other greenhouse gases is causing or will, in the foreseeable future, cause catastrophic heating of the Earth's atmosphere and disruption of the Earth's climate. End quote. Some scientists, fearing losing their jobs, waited till they retired to speak out. And those are just a few examples of why this is much ado about nothing. Until next time, thanks for stopping by on crntalk.com. Talk.com.